I'm here with Daniel Skaber. After a couple tr- attempts at trying to start the podcast up, my mobile studio uh, had some mishaps, but here we are, now we're going. And uh, thanks for having me in North Carolina at your awesome new foam printing project. Uh, it's incredible. You have ambitions of printing on Mars. It's almost like hard to uh, for me to wrap my head around here on Earth, but uh, yeah, thanks for yeah, that. Yeah, I'm really happy you came on such short notice. Uh, you told me to reach out to you when it's ready to go, and uh, and you came pretty quick, so which is which was awesome. Yeah, at first I saw you sent me that picture. I thought it was a rendering of the printer, but it was really the printer, I guess, superimposed on yeah. uh, another picture. So it was photoshopped, but a real picture. Yeah, it also doesn't look like anything you've seen before, right? So it's, Mars. it's a, <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, it really doesn't look like anything I've seen before. I guess let's start with uh, the idea was to print on Mars. How did you go about designing the printer with that intention? Uh, it was just a couple iterations, really. Um, my first design kind of looked like a uh, R2D2 with a ex- expand or like a telescoping arm. Um, but I, after looking at it for some time, I realized that wasn't going to work. Um, so I just broke it down to the simple, uh, simple requirements of what the sh- machine would have to do, and tried to design it in a way that would be really, really easy to build because I was going to be the one building it. So. Um, most of the parts are the same, so like all the arms and the legs are exactly the same. So ma- making it was actually incredibly easy. It only took about a month to make. So yeah, kind of uniquely, I think my audience is a little familiar with three D printing and in construction, large scale. But what they're not familiar with is uh, the parameters applying those things in space. So what are some of the extra considerations you took? Um, so the three D printers that I've seen, like the the large gantry style ones, those those would never make it uh, in in space really um, just the idea of just blowing up a CNC machine and making a huge one to print houses I don't think is gonna work um, but uh, yeah size was a big thing so making it small um, and open up like a transformer was one of the one, one of the big big mm-hmm. uh, big ideas that uh, I really wanted to get so um, I think on Mars a lot of things will go through like tunnels, so it's it's designed to go be able to go through pretty small tunnels. So interesting. Uh, I just made me think of you use expanding foam. Is there a danger having expanding foam in a tunnel? I don't think so. Uh, I, so the print materials that I'm using now probably won't be the print materials that would be mm-hmm. used on Mars. So this is more of a proof of concept of of the technique that would be how to build rather than what what I'm building with. So expanding foam works here. Um, it could work on Mars. Um, cured foam is good to negative 200 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, uncured foam has to be within a pretty warm range. I think it's around 60 degrees Fahrenheit. So um, in order to use expanding foam on Mars, it would really have to have some sort of uh, bubble that's inflated first and then print inside of a prepared uh, environment for the print materials. Or but, a, like underground, sealed off? When you say bubble, that could be above or below? Um, well, it would probably be partially above ground at first. So mm-hmm. I envision that there would be an whole fleet of robots really that are going to need to um, be involved in in an entire construction process on Mars. So um, just the logistics of moving material around um, and and building um, was was one of the goals that I was trying to uh, accomplish here. Um, So your system which you've already built and to many degrees is functioning, 
it is consistent of uh, not just one but two apparatuses, uh, apparati. I don't know, <laughs> but there's, yeah, there's, there's the builder and the dozer. Yeah, there's two robots so far. Uh, there's plans for more. Can uh, you uh, explain and differentiate the two? Uh, so the names are, are just kind of what we've been calling them. Uh, they, they might not be the final names, but uh, Builder is the one that builds and Dozer is, uh, he, he dozes. So um, he can prepare the site, um, move materials around, and he could bury the structure with the local materials. So mm -hmm. I think it's important to use more local materials than than materials that you have to bring on a job site. So yeah. really min minimizing the amount of material that is needed for for the print was was a, a goal of mine. Um, and I think using a thin wall concrete with uh, carbon fiber reinforcement is gonna work really well for that. So you've been, yesterday I saw like maybe day three of testing on this site with uh, the printer. You've mentioned you were doing some other testing in your garage. Um, yeah. But this is really like version 1.0, right? Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that test uh, that uh, is in that last video, it's, I'm probably going to cut that out and start mm -hmm. over. Um, there's a higher density foam that I was experimenting with. Unfortunately, it wasn't available when I was buying the foam for this print, so I bought a, a lower density foam, and it turned out it's not it's not working as well as, as, the, as the higher density mm -hmm. foam. So... I ordered some high-density foam. It's going to take a few days to get here, and then we'll probably just cut that out and, and, and start over. Um, the the print that we did in the garage worked out really, really well, um, and we recorded all the nozzle sizes. So I've been trying different nozzle sizes, different speeds, and and I think we have a combination that's that's going to work really well. So I'm just going to cut this out and continue with with what worked before. Yeah, at your in your garage was the door closed, so that less wind variables. Uh, no, uh, the door was open. Um, it was at night, uh, so the one variable that I didn't realize had a big impact was direct sunlight. Um, there is a light sensor that uh, is used for the distance of the foam head, mm -hmm. um, and as soon as we started printing here, there was there was some trouble that we noticed right away that was was being caused by direct sunlight, uh, direct sunlight and shadows. So if it's going from direct sunlight to a, a shadow, it was throwing it off. It was getting the distance wrong. So um, it, we'll just print at night. It's no big deal. Um, so your business requires you to have uh, hardware and software understanding to some degree. I mean, you're, you built. A system and it runs with custom software. Uh, what was that process like for you tackling those things that, like, you may be more or less competent at? Um, yeah, so I'm a total amateur in programming. I've taken one programming class in college and, and C. Um, it's a good foundation. Yeah, uh, it is. Um, but I, under I understand programming. Uh, not on the on the level that I could just sit down and write my own code from mm -hmm. scratch, but uh, what I did was I just looked up uh, other projects online and I just copied paste copied and pasted pieces of code and mostly just trial and error, see what this does, see what that does. But um, uh, in the very beginning, I actually hired somebody um, from Kenya uh, that uh, was kind of like my uh, mentor that was that was teaching me how to, to how to program on the cool. Arduinos but uh, yeah so that that was that was a huge help having somebody available that can just answer my questions really quickly and and, and 
we were able to progress really fast. Was it difficult to find that person that was really helpful for you? Uh, um, I hired a couple people right off the bat. I posted up the project online, uh, hired a couple people, and within a few days, I clicked with one person mm -hmm. a lot more than the others. So um, there was uh, like firms, like companies that uh, had like lots of uh, lots of programmers. I really just wanted like one one yeah. person one one contact point to, to 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 do it with. That way they learn your project and it's not uh, relearning what's going on every time yeah. you talk to them. Yep. So, all right. And your three D printing experience before this? I have actually never seen a three D printer before this. So, well, other than like a, on on Google, but uh, like a little I've plastic one, even. I've seen a like a little plastic one. But I've never seen one operate yeah. until wow. until now. Well, That's crazy. Until this one, so, um, yeah. You grew up in North Carolina, or no, no. Uh, I grew up near Chicago, rural areas, or. No, uh, suburbs. So grew up in the suburbs. How did you avoid ever seeing a printer? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just, uh, I mean, I honestly, I remember seeing Apis Core print like the first three D, mm -hmm. first three D printed building in, in in Moscow. I remember seeing it in the news back when it was like brand new. I think twenty sixteen or something. I said, oh wow, that's cool. That's like um, one of the first projects I saw too. That and the Icon project. Both of them said they were ten thousand dollars or something, and everybody got all excited about three D printed construction. Uh, oh, the building is ten thousand. Well, nobody's delivering $10,000 houses, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I, I thought that was pretty cool. I didn't really think, like, too much past that. Uh, it wasn't until recently that I, I started thinking more mm -hmm. about it. And uh, uh, really, it was, uh, it was about SpaceX, uh, just seeing what they've been doing and, and the, the prospect of actually getting back up into space with, with, with uh, some more force is, is, yeah. is, is, is what changed everything for me. So... What's next? Um, so I'm going to print a couple buildings here on this property um, just to get uh, learn a lot of things. So really just uh, learn all the things that I need to learn to sit back down at a computer and design version two. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I, I keep a list of all the changes that I want to make, which is, you know, huge. But uh, it's uh, version two is going is to needs to be like the not the final version, but uh, a, a version that's going to work. So yeah. you, you push a button. On Mars? Uh, no, on, on Earth. So <laughs> and then uh, you the Mars version would be... Version 3. Yeah, version 3 might be for, for Mars. But uh, yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's going to work. So um, a lot of people, when I say, oh, it's going to install Windows, it's going to do electrical, it's going to do all these things, it doesn't seem realistic. But I, I have the ideas that would make it possible. Mm -hmm. So... And you mentioned some other machines besides the builder and the dozer. Uh, where does the fleet expand to? Um, so there would need to, so site preparation, um, the, the structure is designed to be underground, or at least partially underground. So the way I envision it is uh, like an excavator, like a robotic excavator that just plants in one, one, in one spot and just digs out that spherical shape and piles up the dirt right out on the outside of that sphere um, so that when the sphere is built there's a lot of the materials ready to go for dozer to just cover mm -hmm. up the top um, so that like dozer probably couldn't dig out a hole like that um, but there there's machines that can like excavators can do it so we like can automate an excavator 
What about a drone that drops some TNT or something? <laughs> yeah, just, oh, that's actually not a bad idea. It's just a bomb. One bomb. Make a crater. Well, how does the drone fly? If there's no atmosphere? I don't know. They have drones on, there's a drone on Mars. Oh, cool. Yeah, the first drone went up with the last, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty tough. Um, there's very little atmosphere, so those, I think the blades have to spin at like a ridiculous RPM for it to fly. Oh, wow. But, uh, but it works. They, and are you excited about the future opportunity of going to space one day? And what level oh, I, would uh, Mars need to be for it to be compelling to you? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I would definitely love to go to space. Uh, going to like moving to Mars, possibly. Uh, it would, you know, I, I really think that a, a city on Mars is, is going to happen in the future. Um, and I would, I would, I would want to go. That would, I think that would be something uh, that uh, that would be a really interesting experience. I think. Yeah. Personally, it's not for me. It's not for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's. Uh, I've always been excited about it since I was a kid. So, I got a degree in aerospace engineering. I was like gung ho about it. Graduated in 2011 same year that uh, the space shuttle retired. Mm -hmm. And for the next 10 years, no humans launched from U.S. soil. So I remember around that time, everyone was told humans would go to Mars by 2030. Yeah. Uh, but it actually is starting to seem pretty realistic. It does, yeah. Um, with with the progress they're making uh, in Texas, I mean, it's, it's pretty exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to see it happen. Like... You mentioned you're kind of drawn to Texas as a future location. Yeah. So ultimate goal would be to build like a prototype Mars community. So before a city is established on Mars, I think it would make a lot of sense to practice building those things on Earth. Like the ICON project with NASA. They have people living there, I think, for four or two years or one yeah, year Yeah, but or something. those projects are so limited in the amount of people that are involved. Yeah, so I think it's like, four people. It's like four people, so... I think this this would be more of an experience that people a, a lot of people could come to, um, almost like a resort that uh, that people would come and experience mm -hmm. what it would be like on Mars without actually going to Mars. Yeah, uh, and I think Texas is a pretty fitting place. Uh, one it could be close to SpaceX. Um, there's there's plenty of desert out there that uh, that looks sort of like Mars. Um, in the so event people have the option to go to Mars whether it's in a work or vacation setting, it's definitely, it seems very necessary to have some kind of simulation of that for people to get comfortable right. with. Yeah, definitely. Um, so and a, all, a lot of things that need to be ironed out before they get loaded up onto a spacecraft and, and sent, you know, millions of miles away. I think it's millions of miles. <laughs> I'm not sure, but... Uh, Big distance. Yeah, it's, it's pretty far away, so it'd be a good idea to test those systems on Earth. Um, so... Um, Looking forward to, to getting out to Texas and, and finding some property and, uh, and and hopefully getting started in the next uh, whew, maybe year. Yeah. And what steps, what are the critical hurdles in that year? Well, the machine has to work. So yeah. it really it needs to be reliable enough where it's as easy as just pushing a couple buttons and, uh, and it makes structures. So that would be the first step. Um, also version two of the robot would need, would be necessary to make much larger structures. Um, so yeah, we'll just start building, um, and, and we'll see where it goes from there. What do you have to say about 
people who make a pitch deck and spend all their time fundraising, selling dreams. <laughs> I know somebody like that. Uh, it's pretty terrible because you uh, you go ask for money and uh, you go ask 100 people for money and 99 times they say no. So it's, it's pretty uh, uh, probably a pretty tough job to do. Um, but uh, yeah, actually I actually have a friend of mine that's starting a, a drone company, a freight, a drone uh, freight company that's uh, that was successful in, in raising uh, a bunch of money, so it's. Uh, I think it's going to be exciting to see what they do. Um, yeah, it's such a scary path to me. Like I'm interested in startups and stuff, but I think it would be so to try to raise money for something uh, before you've started working on it yourself. It just seems so crazy to me. I have friends who do it too. Like they have a dream, they want to sell the pitch deck, they try to raise money. Some of them have raised money, uh, and some of it's working out now. So it's like not a flawed. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, you know, if somebody dropped $100 million in my lap, it would definitely change my plans for sure. Um, right now I have uh, a lot of time that I can devote to this project, and uh, I have some money that, uh, that I get on a monthly basis that, uh, that I'm devoting to the project. But, um, yeah. yeah, this isn't your first entrepreneurial pursuit. No, yeah, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. So, um, yeah, I, I, never, I never got a job ever like so i've always just started companies uh we sold a or made a salvage parts company for motorcycles was that um, the first company? yeah that was the first i actually started doing that before college really i was in high school um started just uh buying motorcycles taking them apart and selling the parts on ebay mm-hmm. uh we still have that company today so um yeah a couple of uh different companies that we've made in the past um this this campground that we're on um it started about five years ago so it's uh it's it's going pretty well and uh i'm pretty happy with it so yeah it's cool uh you mentioned you had another business similar to the motorcycle parts thing but it wasn't taking them apart uh you kind of pivoted yeah so for for the salvage company we were listing parts on ebay and it was terribly inefficient so we hired a programmer and developed a piece of software. It's called Modal Lister. Um, it's used by all the companies that uh, sell power sports parts on eBay. So um, originally it was just designed for, for us to use in-house, mm-hmm. but uh, as word got out what we were using, uh, a lot of the competitors yeah. were asking us to, to, to give it to them, to release it to them. Um, it wasn't until somebody made a suggestion that we release it on a subscription basis um, that totally made sense. So it's kind of like we released software that hurt our first company, but it mm-hmm. it benefited uh, more than more than it hurt because it's it's a software is a is a nice a nice industry to be in. I think uh, the costs are so low once everything is is up and running. It's a, it's almost like you're selling like virtual stuff. Yeah, this guy on YouTube, Alex Hormozzi, had a great way he broke down like the four ways to scale that people can have like scalability is mm-hmm. one is software, one is through financing, like raising money, one is through having employees, uh, and the other one is through media. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, software is really sc- like it's 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 incredibly scalable. You can reach so, the whole world with right. online. Yeah, so you think about something like Facebook, like th- these things aren't terribly difficult to to make. I guess that they're it's it's harder to get people to use them. So when we launched the software, we thought like overnight it was going to change like the whole industry. Like everybody should use mm-hmm. our software, but 
it turned out it took a little bit of convincing, um, especially people don't like change um, in, in business, really. Like if, if you had to switch how you do everything, it, it's 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 not really something that's appealing. But uh, yeah, I read somewhere something needs to have a 25 percent improvement to be compelling enough to switch from what you're already used to. Even if it's 10 percent better, it's not worth the switch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's probably true. Um you mentioned you now drive an electric motorcycle, so yeah, you yeah. really must love motorcycles to have. Uh, yeah, I do. Um, yeah, I you don't have, miss uh, the sounds. What? You don't miss? The no, I'm, I I love the electric motorcycle. I have a zero FXS. Um, I sold my car and, uh, and and got one of those, and it's a. I'm never going back to like a gasoline powered one. It's so fast. I'm, yeah. the, I'm the first one off the line. Like, and it's like costs nothing to to maintain and and, and charge. So. Um, I definitely recommend it for everybody. It's so um, funny to me when people who you would never are about like frilly things and looks all of a sudden are like, but what about the sound it used to make? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so uh, this one's faster. I mean, really you hear the sound of the wind and that's, that's, that's it. And, uh, um, it's great. I, yeah. Cool. So the company you started six months ago, you're devoting currently basically all of your time besides managing the this property you have the airbnbs and the construction project going on yeah for so i started this project about six months ago and i've been like really a hundred percent with this project so everything else has kind of been put on the back burner um but uh enabled by your previous startup yeah so yeah the the previous companies they're pretty automated now mm -hmm. so I have very like little involvement um, I read a book four-hour work week cool um, and it kind of changed my perspective on, on, on how work is done so um, yeah why do you think you uh, never wanted to get a job was that like a natural <laughs> inclination or just happenstance? Uh, I had an internship uh, at a startup called my sky aircraft um, in Florida where trying to manufacture light sport aircraft. Um, and there was one day I was talking to my boss and he described how an engineer is like a tool. You just use it and then when you don't need it anymore, you, you get rid of it. And it was kind of like, am I a tool? Do I really want to be a tool? Um, so yeah, I, I decided to go a different route. Uh, it seemed like the aerospace industry was kind of going on a downward trend at the time. Like space shuttle was retiring. Uh, Concord. We used to have supersonic uh, passenger flights. We don't. We don't have that anymore. Um, so I just did, went a different route. Yeah, bosses shoot themselves in the foot sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but uh, it was a f it was a fun experience. Uh, we were trying to raise. It was they were trying to raise money. Mm -hmm. So the owner had uh, enough money to to take it to to the to like a factory uh, to the factory level where. Um, but then I think it was 2008, the recession, and all of his assets were no longer as valuable as they were before. So um, it was really just like a couple months of looking for money, and it was it was pretty aggravating. Just like in the worst sitting, time ever to look. Yeah, exactly. So uh, and just and sitting and waiting for money. So, um, but uh, I did I did learn a lot there. So it was it was a lot of fun. Maybe with that knowledge, you uh, set yourself up to not be dependent on uh, like fundraising in order to, for the continuity of your business? Yeah. At the moment, at least. Yeah, I mean, I think like most of the companies that, I've been in business with my brother for like since we were, I think in our early 20s. 
Um, so I think we have a different approach than what most companies do. I think you mentioned that most companies like have an idea, make a pitch deck, and then go try to raise the money. Uh, whereas we've really tried to just like get to a positive cash flow as quick as quick viable as, product. Yeah, yep. And then and just get to a positive cash cash flow as as quickly as possible. Make it, improve it, scale yeah, it. Yep. So um, yeah, I, I don't know if it's the right like the best approach, but. Uh, I mean, it's 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 working so far for me. I think it's better for your like health. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, at least you're a little a little bit more in control of your own destiny when you don't have tons of overhead and like other people's well-being that you're need to like convince someone else to give you money to take care of. That's yeah, and then thing. and then you're kind of you're kind of on a leash with them like they they're kind of going to determine what you do and what you don't do so being self-funded i think is it gives you the freedom to just do what you think is right yeah it shows in the companies i visit you can tell when there's a lot of stakeholders involved uh things get more like it's all about money like complicated just, there's things they don't want to show there's like they're trying to keep more secrets they're much less open as opposed to companies like yours where it's like one guy started it as decision making like when you can talk to the decision maker yeah it's much easier much easier but even the decision maker at the other companies they might be the ceo they're not the decision maker necessarily right yeah but um, i guess to grow you need to fundraise eventually right uh yeah so to hire more people i would definitely need to fundraise i couldn't afford to hire like multiple people i could probably hire one or two um but uh if i was to go beyond that it would I would need to raise money first. And what would those first two hires be? Um, whew. so probably another engineer, um, just to get the reliability of the machine mm -hmm. to be where it needs to be. So hardware, software, materials. Um, both. I think software we can get through contract work pretty easily. Mm -hmm. Um, just hardware. So like a machine, like somebody that can do machining and 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 make stuff really um that's probably what we'd start with at the moment you said you're not using many custom parts um yeah no most of the, most of the parts are available on amazon um that we've used um they're not like the probably the best that i could but they're inexpensive and they show up really quickly so it was uh it was really easy to prototype with them if someone has a crazy idea for a robot machine, is it just possible now to order the parts and assemble it? Yeah, for sure. Like, like how do they? How does somebody go about something like that? Well, so um, Arduino is a little like uh, microcontroller, yeah. and there's a lot of accessories that go with it, um, and it makes it really, really easy to do complicated things. So, I think technologically, it has become very easy to make things that can do incredible things. Yeah, and I guess when you really zoom into the issue, somebody's had something similar in some other form. Yeah, so, so it's about exactly. asking the right questions, or where are you asking the it's, questions? Yeah, I'm just at, like, Google mostly. Yeah. Uh, Google, just YouTube. Google. Yeah, so, uh, like, to make the robot work over the internet, it's just a lot of research, and I stumbled upon WebRTC. It's a web apps that are, or web APIs that are used by, like, Zoom and, and things like that. So um, I stumbled upon couple of uh, like research papers that were showing how it's going to be applicable to uh, operating machinery. 
Um, and I found on YouTube, there was like three or four YouTube videos of people that made like little RC cars that could do what I needed to do, uh, operate over the internet mm -hmm. in real time. Um, but it wasn't until I found like this example code that I just took the code, I stripped out all the extra stuff and, and it worked. So um, it actually works really well. I was quite surprised by that. Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, you're not really looking for any more, it seems like you're not looking for anything, like you have everything you need and it's just a <laughs> kind of learning as yeah, you go. Yeah, it's just chipping away at all the little steps. So there are just so many little things that need to go right um, and, and work well. Um, so as the problem arises, you just try different solutions and, and, and see what works. Yesterday, we posted a TikTok video. I got a bunch of views. Maybe we can go through some of the comments and answer them. <laughs> yeah, sure. One of them that was interesting, I forgot to ask. So you finished printing the machine, or the you finished printing the foam. Uh, how do you get the thing out? Uh, yeah, it doesn't go, uh, it doesn't shoot out the top. In the uh, video, the hole was pretty small, so. Yeah, so um, the hole is small. This is a very simplified version where um, I kept the door opening really small for now so that when I do the carbon fiber stitching, I don't have to avoid a giant door. So I can just stitch right over a small hole and then cut that out later. Um, but in the future, it, instead of cutting out the door, I would just print and then turn around, print the other way, turn and print, and so that there is a door from mm -hmm. the beginning. Um, and that would allow Dozer to, to go out and go get more material. Yeah, I would think if you could tilt the head of the extruder, foam could even spray, like even directly up and build in any direction. Um, like you could build sideways out. Yeah, uh, you. There was a. I, there's a definitely. Uh, it's definitely possible. You could. You could build horizontally with foam. But the access of your robot doesn't t twist at the extruder head yet? No, no. Um, so I kept everything pretty simple in that regard. So, For so that management. everything is, is at the same distance away. So all the tool heads, I don't have to position them because they're at the exact distance mm -hmm. that they need to be. So in all reality, it's, it's just one surface. So it made, made it a lot easier. Mm -hmm. But uh, probably version two would have more more control on, on the on the nozzle head doesn't foam need air to expand i was kind of uh i'm not sure i don't think so it's a two-part it's a two-part foam so i believe the the chemical reaction is just between those two components uh the environment definitely has an impact on on the curing of the foam um as we talked about earlier like uh if this was to be done on mars it would need some sort of uh, a bubble to to create that in, in environment for it to actually operate. I don't know how much weight we should assign to the TikTok commenters, but somebody <laughs> said, I think it's a chemical reaction. Foam gets the gas from the reaction. I don't think so. I, I don't think it, I don't think it does. Um, but uh, yeah, I haven't tested that yet and it wasn't in the data sheet. So we'll find out. Somebody said that's like 50 K of great stuff. <laughs> no, uh, what was there is actually less than a thousand. Um, prices have gone up pretty drastically. Um, but uh, yeah, that wall was less than a thousand. Unfortunately, we're probably gonna cut it out and, and start over um, just because the print quality is not what we've 
not as uh, not as nice as what we've we were able to do um, before with with different foam. So, waiting on that other foam, and in a few days, hopefully, we'll get back to printing. This isn't a question, but uh, Moon Domes would love to try it out with biomaterials. Have you ever uh, considered? I don't know what that means. Maybe poo. <laughs> yeah, maybe poo. Um, yeah. So the the print material um, can be changed. So. I'm not only printing with foam. I'm printing. I'm going to be printing with concrete. I'm stitching with carbon fiber. So it's a it's a multiple material printer, um, and I think changing out the print material is not going to be as difficult as as it seems. Um, the foam will heat up Mars, melting the ice, and cause tornadoes and hurricanes. <laughs> I love. There's so many environmentalists already like worried about uh, the env environment on Mars, and like there's going to be climate change. Uh, isn't climate change on Mars a good thing? Like, don't wouldn't we want to change the climate on Mars to be more hospitable for us? And who cares if there's a hurricane? I mean, I guess if we build there, we care. Well, the the, the important thing to note is that the structure. It does look flimsy in that, but this is that is just the outer layer of insulation, um, and that's what uh, allows us to attach all of the other things to it. So the carbon fiber reinforcement gets attached to the foam, um, and I think that's a unique thing with 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 this machine as opposed to others is mm -hmm. that most three D printers they just print with the concrete material and there is no reinforce like there is no reinforcement yeah. in the material um, so by using the carbon fiber we're able to uh, use a very thin layer of concrete and, and achieve pretty pretty good strength a lot of people have said they're they want to implement more complex systems multi-part stuff but uh, yeah I saw the video you actually you had it going on yes yeah, I, I saw a printer um, that prints plastic parts and uh, lays carbon fiber inside oh. the plastic so um i th like it's very similar to what i'm trying to do um and the results are awesome like their parts are lighter than lighter than aluminum and stronger than steel so it's it's pretty incredible just plastic to have and carbon fiber plastic and carbon fiber and the so carbon fiber goes in the wet it uh, goes yeah so it, it goes into the plastic as it's as it's wet and they you can program the the machine to lay the carbon fiber in the direction that uh, would give you the best strength. So, really, it's a plastic part with the strength of carbon fiber. Generally, I hate fiber. plastic, but I'll make an exception if there's carbon fiber in it. Yeah. So, how long did the the wall in the video take so far, and is the size dependent on the drying time? So, it, it, the cure time on the film is actually really really fast. Um, it's about. Uh, in about 30 to 60 seconds, it's wow. it's dry to the touch. Um, so um, we're still experimenting with uh, with the speeds of the machine. The the speed that uh, that's shown in that video that's way that was way too fast. Um, it was making the the wall way too thin. Um, so uh, that took probably I'm going to say three hours of print time. Um, and it's about what, four feet high or so. Mm -hmm. That's fast. Yeah, it's it's pretty quick. Um, it's nice you don't have to on with printing concrete. Yeah. If you stop, you need to do a bonding layer, right? Uh, which is expensive, like a dual bond epoxy or something. And they do have to stop, right? They can't build an eight foot wall in one in one shot. Some can. Some can. Okay. Yeah. I have most can't, uh, and I haven't seen any completed monolithic structures that are one shot the the guys that do one shot build in elements so they'll do like a six foot wall segment 
up the whole way and then they'll start another six foot segment okay yeah it's a it's a cool idea what they're doing um but it's just one step of a, of a bigger construction project like there's still it's just the cinder blocks really what they're what they're printing and uh, cinder blocks are pretty quick to lay like the if you ever seen a house go up with cinder blocks it's pretty quick so um yeah i think the advantages of 3d printing in construction need to go beyond trying to mimic what previous technologies have done there's a lot of environmentalist comments there, about yeah. mars <laughs> yeah so, save the turtles of mars <laughs> it's like we're, we're gonna pollute mars with uh, with foam now so uh, i mean if we go there we'll probably pollute it but it's for yeah. uh for humans so. right i mean Ideally, we pollute as little as possible, but who's to say what's the worst pollution? Like some people will say the stuff from the solar panels is bad for the environment or like the way you get the materials to do something that's less bad for you. Like it's so complex. I, it's hard for me to assign, uh, I feel like I don't even know what's going on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's, uh, there's so much embodied energy that's in, in the buildings that we're building today that, that, that isn't factored in. Um, so yeah, you can you can build you know a huge house with solar panels and and call it a greenhouse, but um, how much of an environment um, environmental impact was it actually to to get those materials to bring them to the job site, to take them out of the ground, to cut down the trees, to do all those things to build that house? Um, it's it's a lot, you know, and the, I think that that should change. So I want to use as little material as possible, um, and. Uh, and yeah, that's the goal. They, there's way too many comments about the material, like you can't use foam on Mars. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, the, you know, a lot of comments are about the temperature. So uh, foam can actually it's a stable down to negative 200 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's within within reason. Um, but uh, once it's buried with the with the local material, I don't think it's going to get those temperatures, especially if it's heated on. So long as you print it on a 60 degree day. Yeah, you just gotta wait for those sunny days on Mars and uh, and print then. A nice spring day on Mars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, it's great. You posted that. There was a, there was a lot of a lot of comments in there. So you didn't put a lot of information about the video, and and there was people saying like, oh, you should print concrete inside of that. I was like, you got it, <laughs> you know. So uh, there's more people wrote that. More videos coming. Yeah. So. Yeah, with uh, with 290 comments, you, these people say everything. Yeah, I like the one that said uh, I could fart and knock it down. <laughs> but uh, there's some been some wild comments. Like one group was printing mud, and it was like uh, right after you eat Taco Bell. It's like <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> A million views just because it was stupid yeah. comments. It's so unpredictable with uh, the internet and virality and. Right. Yeah. Um, I try more to try to build a, just cool content. Like the videos that get a thousand views are just as important as the videos that get a million views. Well, I hope we get a million views. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. But uh, uh, so, in the future, is your like right now you're working? You seem content working on this uh, on your own. You're not trying to blitz scale at the moment. Uh, what are the future ambitions for the company when we look 10 years or 20 years or 30 years ahead? Um, well, really, uh, it's still 
up for debate on where this goes. Uh, gonna try to prove the concept here. Um, and I have enough money to fund the, the projects that I'm doing here and, and to prove that it can be done. Um, I think if I get it to the point of just pushing a button, say you're ready to print a house and you say yes, you pick which ho you know how many windows and, and things like that. If we get to that point, I think uh, I think it's gonna change where we go with this. So um, I don't think that uh, it would be very easy to get permitted, uh, like a permitted structure built, um, but uh, really that wasn't wasn't the goal. I, I think a lot of the 3D printer companies, that is the goal because that is the way to make money, mm -hmm. really, but uh, um, it's not really about making money for me. I just, I, I, wanna, I wanna do this um, to really just explore the possibilities of what 3D printing could do for construction. Yeah, and even forget making the money, you just need the money to do the projects. To yeah, and so if I have enough to do that, then then, then I'm going to keep going. So, But uh, I will need more people, so at some point I will probably need to raise some money. Um, there's just looking at different applications of, of what it could be used for. So I don't foresee it being like built in a house in, in, in the suburbs and like in a neighborhood or something. But uh, I think as like agricultural buildings, um, you know, on, on a farm or something like that, or greenhouses, I think uh, it would make a pretty awesome greenhouse. Um, so after the foam is printed, we just, the there's another, another arm that has like a, a router bit on it, cuts out windows mm -hmm. and places the windows. So if we fill up the whole upper half with windows, will really reduce how much concrete is used. So really it would just be like the amount of concrete that's needed in between windows to hold everything together. Um, and I, I'm excited for that prospect because that, that's something that would be needed for Mars Base. We need greenhouses for food manufacturing, like growing food, so. Yeah, generally concrete's something you only want to use as little of as possible for its structural integrity. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, we're testing different materials, um, like biomaterials would be cool. Um, I think uh, materials from Mars would be cool, although I don't know if I can get my hands on some Martian Regular. soil. <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, I think uh, like basalt is you can get on on Mars, and you could, there's some companies that show that you could print uh, pretty well with with basalt. So um, it doesn't have to be foam. It doesn't have to be concrete. It's really more of a general idea of of constructing with no human intervention that I think that's the challenge so moving bringing in materials um, and changing out like the the pods inside the machine so it's almost like changing a battery pack mm -hmm. um, so dozer brings a materials pod to the machine and, and loads it up um, so just if we use different, I think it'll be pretty easy to, to try out different materials once we get the pump going. Yeah, I'd imagine your excavator machine would have to, uh, like, procure material, too, on Mars to use local materials. Yeah, so the idea is to bring as little alien material to Mars as possible. Mm -hmm. So use as much from Mars as possible. So uh, with this structure, it's a very thin wall structure. Uh, it gets covered with the, with the regolith from Mars, and... The, you consider the regolith as part of the structure, um, like 99% of the structure's mass is going to be the local material. So if I come back here in uh, 
a week or a month, what would I see next week or what would I see next month? Um, well, next week, maybe not much because uh, I'm waiting on the foam. So mm -hmm. it might be less than what is now because I might just cut it out. Um, but I'm coming back next week for a longer stay. And uh, so yeah, next month, in, in maybe a month, yeah, yeah. Starting to cover it up or? Um, ooh. Well, the. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, the, the carbon fiber stitching, although I have a working uh, uh, tool head that does it, um, it needs to be more reliable. So You've done such a great job getting footage, it doesn't really matter whether I'm here or not. I'll be able <laughs> yeah. to see the process. Yeah, yeah, so, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll be making more, so, um, yeah. Um, the, the pump itself the concrete pump is is something that i'm just starting uh developing i have uh, a pretty i think unique idea on how to do it um it's basically a giant uh electric caulking gun when you're on mars where do you get your power from uh solar power mostly well i mean i guess it could be nuclear the last rover they sent was nuclear powered um so there would probably be like nuclear power plants on Mars from pretty like early on. I think Elon Musk is already talking about making little reactors that uh, are safe and efficient. Um, but uh, mostly just electric. Obviously, we're not going to be running like gas, gas or diesel engines. So um, uh, it's going to be electric powered. So um, those like, both machines uh, are all 100% electric. Um, Dozer actually is solar, like solar powered for real. Um, Builder has fake solar panels, but uh, those could be pretty easily. Uh, Man, when I was in Boca Chica filming the SpaceX project, I saw a Tesla in front of what the neighbor told me was Elon Musk's house, and it had this weird metal plate over the front of the hood. Okay. Uh, and now that I never, I didn't realize that uh, uh, the Mars rover was nuclear powered. It's so small. Right. Elon, I bet, put a nuclear reactor <laughs> in his Tesla. No, I don't know about that. Why would they, I, I was looking at the metal plate. I was That makes no sense. Why does it need that big, fat metal plate over oh, the... No. I think that would be way too dangerous. <laughs> not with the thick metal plate. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, Why is it dangerous? Couldn't, couldn't put it past them. I, well, it's just the cars crash. <laughs> like, okay, yes. Cars crash sometimes. Yeah, very uh, dangerous. <laughs> so uh, you can't have a nuclear disaster okay. every time a car crashes. What if it's well-engineered? Yeah, uh, I mean, it would be some something to see, but uh, it is cool that the the the, the robot on Mars has, has a nuclear power. But the previous one was solar powered, um, and the engineers thought it was only going to last for six months, and they thought in six months solar panels are going to be covered by dust, and it's not going to work anymore. It lasted 13 years, and it just so happens that there are these dust storms on Mars that were cleaning off the solar panels on a slightly regular basis and uh that's what kept it alive for so yeah, long nice. so um i think uh solar power is probably um pretty realistic option so um it's harder to order nuclear parts on amazon <laughs> yeah i don't think you can get any <laughs> um so yeah uh done some tests with like how how much time it takes to charge and how much battery life you'll get out of it so currently with the with dozer solar panels it charges in like in one one day's worth of charge it can operate for uh two hours so and that's doing like some pretty heavy lifting, uh, heavy lifting. so just driving around I, I i've never tested just driving around like loosely with with no real load on the motors but uh i was doing a lot grading for for two hours and it uh it worked really well 
Yeah, in an environment like Mars, there's going to be so much unpredictable stuff going on and such limited resources. So I'd imagine people will use things other than the way they're intended. Yeah, it's uh, well, I think uh, you know they've they've sent these rovers there and they're learning a lot. Like just the 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 data that's coming back is 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 going to make the future possible on Mars. So. Um, you know, the first missions that went there, they really didn't know what it was going to be like. And, uh, and I think we, we know a lot more now. So um, being able to plan for it, I think, is going gonna, is gonna to make a difference. The nuclear reactor, I guess, do you know a lot about that? Uh, not particularly. Can you be close to it? I think so. Um, I'm not sure, um, but uh, I think you can. Um, yeah, I mean it's a like self-sustained like system. Uh, it should last for like I, don't know, I forget what the number is, but like a ridiculous long time. Would you need to scale up the size of your panels? No. Uh, so builder uh, the builder robot has very large solar panels. So um, Dozer has smaller p solar panels, but when they connect, they can connect electrically as well. So they can they can transfer their power from one to the other. Do you think uh, on Mars they'd consider abandoning Wi-Fi and using the wireless energy transfer? Yeah, I was actually quite uh, surprised at how limited Wi-Fi is. Um, so outside, I think the range is only like a thousand feet or something like that on, on Wi-Fi. There is a new Wi-Fi that works a lot farther, okay, um, but it's a lot slower too. So, um, I mean, that's maybe there will be something better than, than Wi-Fi by the time we get there. From my understanding, the Tesla principle of the en wireless energy transfer require, it interferes with Wi-Fi, right? Um, maybe, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. So many interesting questions arise once you start talking about Mars, because it's such a unique opportunity to make things differently. Yeah, uh, it's really, you can start from scratch. So I think uh, we've grown so accustomed to just thinking like this is the way things are and like this is how they've always been but that's not true if you look a hundred years ago we weren't flying across oceans in, in large passenger jets um, and I think if we just watch where technology goes in the future it seems so like slow while you're living through it but uh, I think when you look back it's 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 uh, it's a lot faster than than we might imagine but uh, there's a lot of improvements in a lot of things like I'm, when I'm at a red light I'm just thinking like all these cars just sitting around, engines idling, and it's like, is this really the best we can do? Mm -hmm. So um, transportation system on Mars is not going to be like it is here. So just just an overall like a reboot of, of society on, on how it could be done. And I think a lot of things will be learned as we do that um, and, and hopefully would be applied here on Earth as well. So a lot of people say, why Mars? Why would we do that? That's so stupid. But uh, I don't think they realize how much benefit they have on this planet from the stuff that was developed in space. People do a lot of stupid things too. <laughs> like if somebody wants to do something uh, and they're putting effort into it, they'll put less effort into something they don't want to do. So let them do the thing they want to do, whatever. Yeah. I don't know. What like like Alex Honnold free climbing giant mountains and right. stuff. Like that's crazy, but <laughs> it's cool. Right. So uh, yeah. I, I, I believe that people do what, what they want. If, if, uh, if you really break it down, all your actions are really your choice. So what you choose to do is, 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 is up to you. Um, 
yeah, but there's, you know, some comments like, we're never going to make it to Mars. Never. Fact. Like, really? Like, people said that about breaking the sound barrier, and then, look at that, it was broken. And uh, so, I think never say never is, is, is the right approach. Yeah. Is there a big hurdle, like something stopping us? Like, it doesn't seem that, uh, we had, we've got the rovers there. We'll just yeah. have more stuff there. Well, I mean, it is. It, it's incredibly complicated to, to, to accomplish. Um, but which part would someone look at and say that's impossible? Right, which, exactly. So um, I think uh, SpaceX won the, the, um, the contract from NASA to land um, Starship on the moon. And I think when that happens, I think landing on Mars is going to be, like, just the logical, like, Nobody's going to be able to say you can't go to Mars if if they take Starship to the moon, which is really interesting because, like that mission that they're going to do it is just it's so it's almost comical the way it's going to go down. They, as far as I understand, two astronauts are going to launch on not the Starship, uh, not the lunar lander. Lunar lander, SpaceX's lunar lander is going to launch separately. They're going to rendezvous I think around uh, the moon. So they're really going to go there in like this tiny vehicle and then they're going to transfer to this enormous vehicle. So NASA's contract was they were looking for a lunar lander that could carry two astronauts in their gear. I think the, the requirements were like 850 pounds or something. Sure. But SpaceX's Starship can land like 100 times what they're ordering. So it's... Uh, they're going to send up, like, they're, a huge box for, like, a little iPhone. Package. Yeah, exactly. So um, I, I, that's going to be probably an interesting experience for the astronauts to go from this little capsule to, like, this ginormous one. Um, but uh, I can't imagine they don't have some other things they'd like to bring up with them. Like, if they've had this space, why not? Yeah, right. Um, there's experiments or something. Well, I mean, NASA's paying for it, so, uh, I mean, that's it's going to be up to them, really. So If they spend taxpayer money on sending <laughs> up a 90% empty ship, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's ridiculous. At least send up some experiments for people, like right. some grad student can take, see what they're thinking. Take those, or, take those I'll, I'll donate those yeah. or builder to them. <laughs> I don't know what that would do for you yet. They're not really space ready, but <laughs> no, if but they're uh, just looking for cargo. Yeah, just some uh, fun cargo. I mean, they spent the, sent the roads... Uh, Musk's roads. Yeah, that was cool. So it's just a fun thing to send. True. Um, it can float around with the, hopefully it doesn't glide with the roadster up there. <laughs> yeah. So. Car first car crash in space. It's going to happen one day. So. Anything else we didn't cover? Um. No, that's about it. I mean, I'm excited for you to come back. I hope that uh, you'll come back and, and stay in uh, in the habitat and, and, and see what it's like. Yeah, I will. That'll be a, a great YouTube house. video for, uh, <laughs> yeah. for the future. And thanks for having me. It was great to meet yeah, you. It was nice to meet you, too. It's the first of many. Cool.